today we are kicking off a brand new series uh, that I've entitled You and Me. You and Me. We are talking about relationships for the next several weeks. Now, I got to pause here, caveat for this whole series. Just because we're talking about relationships does not mean that I'm the expert who gets it right all the time. Can you say amen? I just heard my wife say amen really loudly. Okay. All right. This is super. I get insecure when I have to get up and talk about certain things because, listen, I don't get this right all the time. Like, I mess this stuff up. And so sometimes I think people think, I'm on the stage, so I get this. No. So what we're going to do together for the next several weeks is we're going to open God's word, see what he has to say, and all of us, including me, are going to try to get better at what he's calling of us. Can we do that together? Okay, relationships this series, we're going to be looking at all types of relationships, and, and I think these principles apply across the board. Now, why are we talking about relationships? Because relationships are really hard, okay? They just are. Anybody who tells you relationships aren't hard is lying to you, okay? They are difficult at times. It's a challenge at times. Why is that? Because people can be dumb, okay? Like, people can be dumb. People can say hurtful things. People can disappoint you. But the fact is, we can be dumb. (laughs) We can say hurtful things. We can disappoint others. You see, this is what the problem is. We're all broken, All of us are broken. I've heard it said that the problem is in relationships is that we've all got baggage and our baggage keeps banging into each other, right? We've got problems. We've got our own issues. And I think for many of us, if we're honest, what we need to do is some of us need to take the step and to step into some counseling to deal with some things, okay? I've done some of that. Amber's done some of that. Many of you in this room have done that. Sometimes we need to do that because there's things that are broken in us that are constantly impacting our relationships. So this series is not going to be me getting up and helping you all deal with all of your trauma, okay? That's no, I can't do that up here. What we are going to do up here is we're going to go to God's word every single week and we see what does he have to say? What does the word of God have to speak into our relationships and how can we get better? How can we listen to his voice on this thing? Okay, and I hope each week that you're going to be challenged. I hope each week that the spirit convicts you in some way. And I also pray that every one of us has some practical steps that we can take away on a weekly basis to get better in our relationships. And so this morning's message, I think, is going to lay a foundation for what Jesus taught about relationships and how we're supposed to relate to other, the posture of our heart. And uh, I'm not exaggerating it when I say this. If all of us could really get a hold of this teaching, I think it could change every relationship in our life. And so my prayer is that we would have open hearts and ears to hear this one, all right? If you've got your Bibles, would you turn with me to John chapter 13? John chapter 13. Uh, if you're new around here, uh, we, we really value the Word of God. Every week we open the Word of God and say, what does it have to say? And so I'm going to invite you to stand with me. This is just a tradition that we have around here. Nothing sacred about it. It's just our way of, of saying, God, we value your words even more than what I got to say up here this morning. We care what you have to say. John chapter 13, beginning in verse number 2, says this. <clears throat> the evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around them. Jump to verse number 12. When he had finished washing their feet, He put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, 
for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for your word. And Lord, I pray that we would hear you, not hear me today. I pray we'd hear you. We walk out of this place differently. We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> well, uh, moment of honesty. How many out there are uh, a little crazy when it comes to washing your hands? You really like to wash your hands, okay? Some of you, I, I see that. You ever meet people like that? They just got to wash their hands all the time. I'm a little that way, if I'm honest. Like, I don't like, the, I hate the grimy feel on your hands. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's mealtime and you just feel grimy. Like, I got to wash my hands before I touch any food, okay? That's how I am. All right, I, I think there's some people uh, that loved COVID um, because uh, th- it actually normalized your paranoid behaviors sometimes. Like, sweet, I can just wash my hands all the time. Okay, how many out there are next level? Beyond a hand washer, you're a hand sanitizer person. Raise your hand. Show me if it's honest. Okay, some of you are the hand sanitizer people. That's fine. Okay, you just, you're walking around just squirting the hand sanitizer all over the place. That's fine. Okay, the message we're looking at here, we're talking, we're not talking about hand washing. We're talking about feet washing, and it's a little weird. It's a little bit of a weird story. And so what we're going to do is we're going to pause for a few moments and, and kind of walk through this story, help us understand what the story is trying to say, and then based on that, what is God trying to speak to our hearts? And so it says in the story that Jesus is reclining at a table with his disciples. Now, when we think of sitting at a table with your disciples, you think of sitting in a chair. I'm going to pull up to a table and do that, but that's not what tables were like at this time. In fact, if you go into our kids' hallway, they have this amazing hallway, the Old Jerusalem, and they had a table set up where they were doing the Last Supper, and it's very accurate. The tables were very, very low to the ground, okay? And so if you were reclining at a table, you weren't sitting at a table like this. You were actually, with your head toward the table, you would be leaned on the ground, laying on the ground with your feet away from the table, most likely leaning on a pillow or something like that, and eating that way. You'd kind of pick the food up and eat that way. That's what it means to recline at the table. And if you were reclining at the table, it was kind of customary and normal that somebody would go around and wash the feet of those who are having the meal. But the way that it would work is the person of the lowest standing, oftentimes a servant or something like that, would go around and take care of washing all the feet of those who are are my feetsies. (laughs) All right. I talk good English, everyone. Great. (laughs) You got to mock yourself. It's okay. I got to tell another story now that we're mocking myself. (laughs) I wasn't going to say this. You see this little mark on my head or my nose right here? So on a weekly basis, on the mornings, I come in and I pray in this auditorium with the lights off. And I legit walked into that pole back there. (laughs) Boom. Cut my nose. I was bleeding. I'm like, yeah, looking like a moron. Sorry. I told Amber I wouldn't tell that story, but I did. Here we are. Okay. All right, moving on. (laughs) Where were we at? Okay, yeah. So this is what happened. You wash the feet. This is what happens. You're washing the feet. And and why would they do that? Uh, Because in in our society, we wear shoes, right? And so our feet are stanky, but they're relatively clean, okay? In their society, they wore sandals, and sometimes they wouldn't even wear sandals. So they're walking around in a society in roads that are much dirtier than what we experience. So the feet are dirty. They're gross. And there's animals around. So they may have stepped in something, okay? So the feet are gross. And so it would be customary to clean them, to wash them in some way. And so it's very normal. So this is a fairly normal story of what takes place. What isn't normal is who does the washing. Because who's doing the washing? Jesus. 
And you see this doesn't make sense. You see this kind of throws people off when you get into the story. Because when, when it gets to the, uh, Peter, you know, Jesus gets to Peter. What does he say in verse number 8? He says, no, you should never wash my feet. Peter's saying, no, that's not something you do. You're up here. There's somebody down here. They're the ones that are supposed to be washing the feet. This doesn't seem right. It seems weird. It seems off for him. But Jesus does it anyway. He washes their feet. And when we get to the end of the story, it's clear why he did this. It wasn't just a cute little thing to do. That's, that's not why he did this. The, the point was to be a clear example, a model. It's as if Jesus was saying, hey, do this. Live like this. Treat others like this. And, and as I think we'll see a little bit later, I think it's a really, really powerful visual. But this story isn't as simple as just go serve others. There's actually more going on here. There's a critical piece that is so deep and completely necessary if we're going to live out what Jesus is asking us with others, if we're going to truly serve other people. And it's found in a very pivotal verse that I want to put up on the screen, and it's found in verses 3 and 4, okay? Here's what it says in verses 3 and 4. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped the towel around his waist. In a moment, we're going to see why that's so powerful. See, what's the big deal? What, why is this a big deal? I'm going to give you this morning a tr- one truth and a big so what. That's all. So if you're taking notes, you've got two things to write down this morning. The truth we're going to look at this morning is this. Where we find our identity and what our source is impacts every relationship in our life. Okay? Hear that again. Where we find our identity and what our source is impacts every relationship in our life. If you're here this morning and you wouldn't even call yourself a follower of Jesus, you say, I'm not even really a follower of Christ, great, this is still true for you. Okay? This, this truth still impacts your life. Your identity and your source matter in your life. This past fall, um, I did a whole series called I Am, if you were here, and the whole series was about our identity in Christ, right? If you missed that series or you're new to our church, I would encourage you to go back and watch that. One of the most important things for us as, as believers is to understand our identity in Christ. But in that series, I talked about this. I said that most people try to find their identity. They're walking around constantly roaming through life trying to find Find out who am I, trying to discover their identity some way. And so where do we find our identity? Sometimes we find our identity in our career, right? In the job I got in the career, am I in this right career path? And that's how we, that's how we define ourselves. That's who I am. Sometimes we find our identity in our stuff. Do I have the right clothes? Do I have the right car? Do I have the right house? Do I have all those things? We find our identity in those things. We can find our identity in our accomplishments, What have I been able to accomplish? How do people view my accomplishments? We can find our identity in our our, uh, uh, status, right? How do people view us? That can be one of the ways we find our identity. But we also can tend to find our identity in relationships, okay? Have you ever met somebody who was maybe a a mom or a dad, and they found their identity as a mother or a father, and then their kids left a home, and it it just looked like they were floundering in life? Like, suddenly, I don't know who I am anymore. I don't 
Maybe some of you have experienced that a little bit because we can find our identity in maybe our, our spouse. We can find our identity in some other relationship. Uh, we can find our identity in the affirmations that we receive from other people, that other people, they, they're the ones that really tell me who I am. That's where I find my identity. Sometimes we can find our identity in our reputation, the way the world views us, the way they perceive us, the, how, my status in the world. Sometimes all of the things, the worth, the value, everything that we have, we're trying to constantly find it on these out external circumstances. But the same thing is true when it comes to our source, right? The source of our joy, the source of our happiness, the source of our fulfillment, the source of our worth, the source of our contentment is oftentimes found in these same things. It's found in our career, our stuff. It's found in our relationship. It's found in the way that other people treat us, the way they respond to us, the way they uh, relate to us in some way, okay? This is where we find it oftentimes. We know this doesn't work. It doesn't work because oftentimes they get taken away. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. It happens a lot of times for men, men who find their identity in their career and then they lose their job and they totally lose sight of who they are. Why? Because they found it and that's what happens to us. But more than that, it's not just that we can lose it. Sometimes other people just end up failing us, don't they? We find our identity in this relationship and suddenly that person is failing it. We don't know who we are anymore. Our source has gotten thrown off. And so what happens is I think it's a lot of times like this bucket that I have up here. See, we're walking around uh, with buckets. And when our buckets are filled, right, we've got the job, we've got the car, we've got everything's going well in our lives, people are treating us well, you know, all the things are great, I'm relating, and our buckets fill nice and full, we're good, we're good, right? We're walking around, we feel great, okay? But when we walk around and we, we suddenly have lost the job, the relationship's not working and our buckets are empty, we're starving, and so what do we end up doing? We end up walking around trying to fill our buckets with more external things. We're going to the relationships, trying to find who we are, trying to fill ourselves up. We're literally trying to suck the life out of everybody around us, right? We're walking around, suck, I need to fill my bucket, suck, you know? And so we go to our relationship, we go to our, our spouses, we go to our friends, we go to everybody, and we're trying to get them to fill us up. You have to fill me up. How are you meeting my needs? Because we're in a, we're in a posture of, of deficiency. We lack, and we hope someone else will be able to meet it for us. See, Christ gives us a different model for how we're supposed to live. Christ gives us a different model. And this is what we see in verse number three. If you'll put verse number three back up again. It says that Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. He knew these things. He had received all of these things. From the Father. You see, there's another translation that says Jesus, knowing who he was, was able to go ahead and wash the disciples' feet. And this is what we have to understand is that we have to receive our identity from a different place. If we can receive our identity as Christ did, it can change some things for you. See, Christ understood who he was. He wasn't looking around at all the people around the table and saying, oh, uh, do they view me the right way? Do they see, are they filling my needs? Are they supporting me? Is all this thing working? No, no, he knew who he was. I am the king. <laughs> I'm seated on the throne. I know who I am. I know where I came from. I know where I'm heading. I don't need to worry about what's going on out here. So because of that, I can live differently. I'm not looking for these people to fill my buckets, right? I'm not walking around, fill my needs, fill my needs, fill my needs. No, my buckets are already filled. I know who I am, okay? But in the same way, he says, listen, my source is not these people. 
This is not my source. The way they respond to me, the way they speak to me, the way that, you know, how we interact right now, this is not my source. My source is the Father. If you look through Scripture over and over and over again, where was Jesus found? He was off in the distance by himself spending time with the Father. His source was God. That's who his source was. And so because of that, he could actually live different. He responded different than so often we do. And this model that Jesus gives is so powerful, but I think it's something that many of us struggle with. Because rather than receiving our identity from God, understanding who we are in God, understanding that we are children of God, that we are loved, that we are valuable, that that there is an inherent worth in us, right? That we're sons and daughters of the king. Rather than understanding and living from that identity, we're trying to do what everybody else does. Can you fill my bucket? Can you make me feel better, right? We're not living from an identity. We are living for an identity. And because other people inevitably don't meet our needs, what happens? We get frustrated. I've talked about this before. What is frustration? Frustration equals unmet expectations. Frustration equals unmet expectations. You expect this, this happens, and the gap is frustration. (laughs) Okay? Think about it. Some of you in life right now, you expected certain things. You expected a certain career. You're going to get a certain job. You're going to have a certain amount of money. You're going to have a, a wife. You're going to have a husband. They're going to be like this. You're going to have a certain amount of kids. You're going to have this path in your life. And today you find yourself here, and that gap is your frustration. You are frustrated where things are at. But it goes beyond that because it goes into relationships that we have with other people, right? You, have, you go into a relationship. You go, you go home. You're going to hang out with your family. You're, you're in a place of deficiency. My bucket's empty. And you walk into your family. And suddenly, rather than filling your bucket, they're actually depleting you even more. What happens? You get frustrated, right? It gets challenging. And I'm going to give you a free tip here for a second. This is going to help some of you. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Okay? Some of you have people in your life that you know what happens, like that person in your life, when you're around them, they always say something rude or they always say something hurtful. And here's the problem, though. Every time you walk into that environment, you keep expecting that they're not going to do that. <laughs> and then every time you walk in and then they do it again and then you're frustrated, right? There's a gap. You know, something that could help you is, hey, if they always do it, there's a good chance they're going to do it again. Okay. Now, we have to set boundaries in our life, absolutely. But recognizing, hey, this is a person, they're probably going to say something stupid this time. They're probably going to say something hurtful. You're in the interaction, oh, there it is. (laughs) I knew that was coming. But see, I'm not frustrated because I knew it was coming. Like, I have reasonable expectations. And oftentimes, we're frustrated because we're setting expectations that that person doesn't even know about. Okay? So that can help some of you, set some of you free a little bit here this morning, okay? All right, so what does this look like in our life when we're trying to suck the life out of everyone around us? Right? Your bucket's empty. And so you find your identity in your boss, in in accomplishing your work, in doing your thing. And you kill it. Your project is amazing. You do an amazing job. But then your boss doesn't say anything about it. They don't mention it. They don't they celebrate it. They're not making any of those kind of things. And your, your empty buck is, bucket is now feeling even more empty and more depleted. And now there's a frustration that's taking place. Now you're, you're holding a bitterness against that person. You're angry. Why? Because you need your bucket filled. And you're not filling my bucket. You would never say that. But that's what's going on inside of you. Right? It's frustrating you. It's angering you. Okay? And now you've got the boss. You're probably acting in a, an unkind way to your boss. And your boss, whose bucket is also empty, is now getting frustrated at you. See what happens in relationships? They get toxic really, really fast. 
The same thing can happen at home, right? You come home, right? You've got your family going on or whatever, and your bucket's empty. And you're like, it's my family. They're going to be so nice to me. But they're not nice to you, and you're, now you're mad because your bucket's not being filled. Why aren't you filling my bucket? The best example of this is, is when it comes to marriages sometimes. You got two people with empty buckets trying to literally suck the life out of one another. And it's funny, but it's true. We've all lived it, right? We're not, I'm not full of the good stuff. I'm hoping that my spouse will meet all of my needs. And here's my empty bucket, I fill it. And then when they don't, I'm mad. The problem is that this spouse is doing the exact same thing. My bucket's empty, will you fill my bucket? And do we wonder why we get frustrated with one another? Do we wonder why we get angry with one another? And some of you, like, some of you, this has happened, you know, for, for a couple days, but some of you, I would guess, you've experienced this kind of a relationship for years. Because you're, you're expecting and you're, you're trying to rely on the other person for your identity and your source, and that was never the intention. And see, Jesus is coming in this moment to try and show us a different way. He's saying, listen, there is a better way. Rather than trying to have... All this external stuff fill you up. He's saying, what if I was your source? What if you found your identity in me? You see, what would happen in the morning if we, rather than trying to go, how how is the world going to fill me up this morning? What if I could stop and say, okay, God, will you fill my bucket? I'm going to remind myself of who I am. I'm a child of God. I'm loved. That I have an inheritance that's in store for me that nobody can take away. Nothing that I can do out there is better than what God has already done and given to me in Christ. Like, I have everything that I need in Christ. What if I could be filled with that reality of that identity? And what if I could look to God and say, God, you know what? People are probably going to fail me today, and I'm going to fail lots of people today. But God, I know that you are one that never fails me. You are my source, and I'm going to look to you today. I'm going to expect you to be the one who fills me up. Like, you're the one. Would you fill me up? What if we started and began our day with a posture of being filled by him rather than looking to everybody else to do that for us? All right? If we did that, it would allow us to live differently. And so I want to get to our big so what here this morning. We always say, so what? What's the point of this thing? Core truth is this. When our source is Christ, our posture can be give. When our source is Christ, our posture can be give. See, for most people, our posture is take. Our posture is take. We walk around as leeches trying to take from. We would never say that because that sounds awful to say. <laughs> I would never call myself a leech. I would never say you're a leech. But that's the way we behave oftentimes. We're looking for other people to, to meet our needs. How are you going to make me feel better? How are you going to do what I want in this moment? And when that doesn't happen, we get frustrated. Why do we get frustrated when somebody cuts us off? Because they're not doing what I want them to be doing. Why do we get frustrated if, if a server doesn't treat us exactly the way? Because, you don't know, you should be treating me a certain way when we don't get greeted a certain way. Why do we get frustrated? Because you're not doing the things that I want. See, we oftentimes are in a posture of take And that's natural when our bucket is empty. But when our bucket is already filled, the posture of our heart can change. We can give. And more than just give, we can give extravagantly like Jesus did. Okay? And so I want to illustrate this here this morning. And so uh, I'm going to invite uh, Pastor Hunter to come up here this morning. Come on up here, Hunter. Hunter, uh... Hunter has no idea what's going to take place right now. 
I told Hunter, Hunter, it's okay. Can you sit down and take your shoes and socks off, Hunter? See, when I was going to do this here this morning, I felt God say, hey, that you need to do this. And I'm like, sweet. So just bring my wife up. She's got nice, pretty feet. That'll be awesome. Nice. And I said, uh, well, uh, you know, you ever been to a wedding where they do something like this? You know, and it's, it's always sweet because it's like, oh, it's a cute, and that's a husband and wife, that's great. And, and usually, the, if you think about it, the woman has just probably had a $300 pedicure, and it's the most beautiful their feet have ever been, <laughs> you know? So it's, like, so it's like amazing, you know, like it's all pretty. I'm pretty sure Hunter didn't get a pedicure here this morning. Um, So, thanks for being a champ here, Hunter. I love you. Love you. But why, I, I felt like God said, yeah, that's too pretty. That's not what it, it looks like to serve people usually. It's usually not the pretty amber feet. It's the stanky hunter feet <laughs> is what it usually looks like. And so, so what did Jesus do? Uh, Jesus, he comes to his disciples this is the last time I'm ever going to touch your feet, Hunter. Just, <laughs> just warning you of that, okay? Here we go. This is, wow, those are beautiful, Hunter. Thank you. I've never, I've never looked at your feet before, ever. It is warm. That's nice warm water. That's good, okay? But, but what Jesus is trying to do is he's trying to say, this is what it looks like to serve people. It's not the pretty stuff. Like when we, when we want to serve our neighbor or we want to serve our spouse or we want to serve, you know, the, the person at, at the office or you want to serve your parents or your in-laws, you want to serve those people, it's not pretty usually. It's not comfortable. It's not fun, right? And, and if, we're, if the basis of our ability to do this is that, you know, it's going to be fun, we're never going to, and our buckets are always going to be empty and depleted. Like that's what it's going to be like. But... But Jesus is saying, hey, what would happen if you would be filled first? What if you would find your identity in me? This isn't degrading then. Because that's why Peter was so annoyed with it. And he was like, this is degrading, Jesus. You should not be on your knees washing my feet. It's degrading. It's beneath you. And he's like, no, there's nothing that can happen out here that, that lowers me. I know who I am. I know where I came from. I'm the father's. And so I can do this. It doesn't feel degrading. I can serve another person because it's an extension of who I am. This is what kingdom people do. We love people. We care for people. And so the challenge for us is, can we be those types of people? And what does it look like? It looks like your, your boss, at times, saying the jerky thing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's fitting. Because <laughs> realistically, Hunter's my employee. You should be washing my foot, boy. What's your deal? Why have, you never, why have you never done this for me before, Hunter? Monday. Monday, sweet. This is going to be exciting, guys. Okay. But what would happen if, you know, your coworker who's really rude to you, you know, and they say the hurtful thing, and ordinarily you react, right, because you're empty and you're expecting them to try and fill you some way. But what if instead you said, God, I want to be filled by who you are? 
I find my identity in Christ. You know what? They're rude to me. doesn't matter. I'm a king's child, and I live differently. And I can love them, and I can express my love and my, my gratitude to them, and I can treat them. I can speak words of kindness over their life, even though they don't deserve it. Why? Because it's not dependent on them. I don't need them to be good for me to speak life. I can do it as a child of God. That's who I am. And what if the same thing would happen with your, your family? You got, you got that parent that's just always just doing hurtful things for you. I get it. Sometimes we got to set boundaries around people that are, that are hurting us. But what if rather than the dependence of your, your happiness is like, are they going to start speaking nice? Um, crazy mom who's always been that way, probably not going to change. <laughs> like, just got to give it up a little bit. Like, quit trying to expect something that may not happen. If they do, great. But, but they may never. So what if rather than going to her to be your source, what if you started getting filled by God? So you know what? I can live differently. You know what? I'm gonna, I may have to set some boundaries because this is inappropriate and, and some things happen, but that's great. You know what? I can still extend grace. I can show honor. I can show love to my mother still. And it's not dependent on her. It's dependent on me. And the same thing in your home with your spouse. Because sometimes, metaphorically, your, your, your spouse is a stinky foot. <laughs> and you don't want to clean it. <laughs> But your source is not, are they deserving of the way that I'm going to treat them right now? It's, God, I, I'm going to be filled by you. And because of that, I can clean their foot off. And it's not degrading. It isn't like, oh, I'm going to lower myself. And, and they're, no, no, it's just saying, you know what? There's nothing beneath me. Just as Christ said there was nothing beneath him, said I could do this, right? Can you give it up for Hunter and his thank you feet? Thank you. Anybody got any hand sanitizer out there? <laughs> Just joke. <laughs> I think this is, uh, this is what God's calling us to. It's to love this way. Remember I said it's not as simple as serve others. Because the fact is, there's certain people in your life, in and of your own strength and your own power, you can't love them and serve them that way. Like you lack, you lack the, just the desire in your own heart. When you see them, right, you can't do it. If you're going to walk around with an empty bucket and just hope that suddenly you're going to feel it sometimes, you're going to struggle. But our calling is, God, would you fill me with your love? Would you remind me of what you've done? And I think the challenge for us is, can we be reminded of what Christ did for us when we didn't deserve it? Everything comes back to the cross. We come back to the moment where we say, okay, Christ, when I don't feel like I can do that for them because they don't deserve it, I look at myself and say, my sin did not deserve your death on a cross. But you took that step anyway. So God, remind me of how good you are and help me to share that with someone else. Help me to share that with the person at work. Help me to share that with the person in my family and my neighbor, right, my friend. Help me to share that with my spouse. Could I operate from a position of being filled and then just simply pour my bucket out into other people's lives. Now, what's the benefit of this? Some of you are like, Greg, washing other people's feet does not look like a good thing. <laughs> like, I don't even want to do that. What, what, what's the benefit of that? Well, there's benefits. Obviously, there's spiritual benefits of being obedient to Christ. Uh, there are eternal rewards for being obedient to Christ. But I would say that there are also practical benefits for living a life of giving rather than living a life of taking. When you live a life of giving, when you're already filled rather than trying to find it out here like everybody else, trying to scavenge for some identity, you're filled with peace. 
You're filled with joy. You can be filled with contentedness, and you can have relational fulfillment because you're not dependent on the other person to, to do something to make you happy. Instead, you're just looking to say, how can I make them happy? Right? That's, that's really the goal. And even more than that, who's one of the most annoying people in the world that you talk to? It's probably a taker. It's probably one of those people when you're around them and it's just clear everything is about them. That they think the entire world revolves around them. You know what? What's the most beautiful person you probably know? It's probably somebody who's extremely giving, who doesn't think about themselves, but is constantly looking to try and help. And so if you want to be a person that other people want to be around, you want to be the kind of person that people are like, man, I, I want to be their friend. I want to hang out with them. Be a giver. Allow yourself to be filled by God so that you're not dependent on everybody else to try and fill your tank up. And you say, God, I want to receive from you. I want to stand firmly in who I am. And God, that I could be able to show love in every circumstance. Okay? I think for, for some of us, there's a freedom that we could experience if we would do that. If we would be filled, we could be free. And I'll also say this, that there's some people in your life that you need to set free. Because they're in your life and you've placed expectations on them, you've never told them. You've placed expectations on them in your mind and they continually don't meet those expectations. And then you're continually frustrated at that person. This morning, you may need to set somebody free. Say, you know what? I'm not gonna place undue expectation on another person. I'm going to let them go, right? I'm going to experience some freedom for my own life and for them. And allow God to do what he does. And I think our relationships will be stronger for that. I want to pause a moment um, because I know that um, I, I pray this prayer with a lot of people. Um, there's times where people just feel dry. And they feel, they're like, you know, Greg, you're talking about an empty bucket. That's exactly how I feel. <laughs> I know what that feels like. I'm living it right now. And I want us to just pause and to pray. Because we can't go out there and love anybody until we allow God to really fill us. And so would you bow your heads, close your eyes across the room. Father, we thank you so much that you love us, that you care for us. Father, that you will meet us in uh, where we are. God, thank you that you are the one who first loved us. You're the first one that pursued us. And uh, God, we admit that we, rather than running to you for our source, a lot of times we're going other places. I know I am. And I place expectations on other people rather than coming to you to fill me, Lord. And I just ask that you forgive me. So on your own right now, I'll just give you a moment to, you maybe just need to repent of just the ways that you've looked at other people to try and fill you rather than Christ. Would you just take a moment just to say, God, I'm sorry. And I repent of that. I want to turn away from that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. With your eyes closed and head bowed, if you're here this morning, just a moment of honesty before God. You're, you would just say, you know what? I feel like my bucket's empty right now. I just feel depleted spiritually, relationally. I just feel that right now. And uh, I just need God to fill me again. I want to look to him. Yeah, if that's you this morning, just as an act of faith, would you just lift a hand across the room to say, that's me. I, I need to be filled up. Yeah. Yeah, across the room. Just say, God, that's me. That's me. Yeah, Lord. Lord, I just pray that you would fill us up. Lord, we may have been looking the wrong places. Uh, we've been trying to find our hope in other places, in other people, in other circumstances. Lord, I pray that we would be reminded of the truth. God, that rather than trying to live for an identity, we would live from the identity that you've already given us in Christ. Uh, that we are alive, that we are hope, filled with hope, that there is 
There is a destiny for us. There is an inheritance for us. God, I pray that you would get our eyes on those things. Lord, that rather than trying to find our source in circumstances or people or other things, God, I pray our source would be you in all things. That we would go to your word and, and see what you have to say to us. Hear your words speaking to our hearts, Lord. Pray that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. With heads bowed and still eyes closed, I'm just going to give you about one minute. And I want you to ask God this. I, I'm just praying that the Spirit will speak to you. But you would ask God, who is one person right now in my life? that I can love selflessly this week. One person. Maybe it's the person that causes you the most frustration. And this week, you're gonna purposely say, God, I'm gonna be filled by you and not by their behavior. And I'm gonna choose to serve them anyways. We just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to one, and I'm just gonna pray that you would have at least one name that comes to your mouth. It might be your spouse. It might be somebody in your house. It might be a roommate. It might be, you know, a neighbor. Might be a coworker. Might be a classmate. Just take a moment and ask the Holy Spirit. invite you to stand with me across the room. And if you want to be responsive, you want to say, God, help me to live that way, I'm just going to invite you to put your hands out like this. We're going to have a posture of surrender and just ask God, God, I thank you uh, that you died for us, Lord, but we are just admitting that we need your love if we're going to love. And so, Lord, right now, we pray that you would help us to receive your love, to receive everything that we need from you, God. In this week, Lord, I pray these hands would be used to serve others. God, that we would truly wash the feet of those around us, not doing the comfortable thing, not doing the easy thing, not doing the convenient thing, but instead, God, saying, I choose to, to make things more difficult on myself for the sake of the other. I'm going to inconvenience myself for the sake of another because that's what you've called us to do. That's what kingdom people do. Lord, I pray this week you would help us to love selflessly. God, that we would love differently. And Lord, I pray for that person, the person that we struggle to love, the person that we struggle to respond to. God, I pray this week, God, that we would not look at them, we would look at you. And God, the result would be a change in our hearts and our posture, Lord. Help us this week to look more like Christ and less like ourselves, we pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said.